It's a nice quote. I'm going to change it because if I change it, it gives you exactly what this exhortation is all about. God's rest is not merely a distant goal that we seek, but a means by which we arrive at that goal. That's what we're thinking about this morning, being part of God's rest now and also looking forward to its fullness in the future. If we continue in verse 3, it's kind of emphasized. So it says, Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on my oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. That sounds like something amazing to me, something that is too great to understand. What the writer is saying here is that God is inviting us to join him in the seventh day. God is saying, don't lose heart, don't fall away, come with me, join me in this seventh day, in creation's seventh day. The promise stands to all of us. So what's actually mean to enter into the seventh day? Well, we could uh, take this idea of God's rest literally. Um, we could down tools. We could get on the seventh day sun lounger, pour ourselves a seventh day drink, and chillax to the seventh day vibe. <laughs> but uh, that is one of many reasons not to take Genesis 1 uh, too literally. And if you want a scripture to back it up, you can always look up John 5 verse 17. Now the picture of Genesis is that by the end of the sixth day, all the components of creation have come together. The picture is complete. All the jigsaw pieces are there. The montage is completed. And then, and only then, are they ready to fulfill their purpose. And that's the key point about God's rest, I think. It's not until mankind enters the scene that God's purpose um, can begin. Ready to worship God, have a relationship with God the Lord and the maker of all mankind. Let's uh, sing together. This is probably the only occasion where the change of verse of words in this hymn book is actually applicable. <laughs> so let's enjoy this. So like I said, I think the writer of the Hebrews is combine these two Old Testament pictures to give us an altogether more powerful meaning and uh, he's, he's pleading with us not to turn our back repeat the mistakes of the Israelites of generations ago and to enter God's rest both in our lives now uh, and in the future but I'd really like to explore a bit more about what it is what is it to live in the seventh day what is it to live in God's rest now um, I'm going to take another reading which I think gives us some clues to that it's from Psalm 95. I think it's particularly relevant because, again, it refers back to um, the time when God said to the people of Israel, you're not going to enter into my rest. But in, in delivering that negative message, it also, I think, gives us a lot of insight into what it is to live in God's rest now. So we're going to read Psalm 95, and she is going to read that first. Thank you, Psalm 95, New King James. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. 
In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, They tried me, though they saw my work. For forty years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. I think again there we see these two ideas combined the journey of the Israelites, and also God as the creator of, of all things. And they come together in this, this psalm as well. I said that I think um, God's rest, the Sabbath day, day seven of creation, is all about creation fulfilling and finding its purpose. And I think that comes through in verse 6 and verse 7. If, if I had to have two verses which I think tell us what being in God's rest is all about, it's these, it's these verses. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. This is God's rest, being part of the flock under God's care, living in God's pasture, and living lives of praise and worship. When I read that first time, Psalm 23 came flooding into my mind. And if it's doing the same to you, just let it, let it roll. It's, it's perfect. But again, this is not, not a sheltered life. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not a sheltered life, but it's a life on God's pasture, being shepherded by God in his rest. And the other thing which is challenging for me especially is that this is a communal activity. This, this, this whole psalm is plural. It starts off, come, let us sing for joy. Verse 2, let us come before him. Verse 6, come, let us bow down. It's all plural. Now, for a socialite like Julia, that's music to her ears. For a grumpy recluse like me, it's, that's a challenge. But this is communal. It's, a, it's an activity of us in community with each other. I like uh, watching The Island. I don't know if you saw that uh, Bear Grylls program, The Island. The, the notion of it is that um, there's two shows, one of boys, one of girls, and 14 adults get put onto the island. It's a remote desert island, and they're left to survive for about six weeks. They've ensured there's enough animals creeping around the, animals around the island to feed them, but they have to source their own water, purify it through lighting fires, catch their own food. It's, it's a real trial. It's, it's very interesting about human nature in many ways, but one of the key things is that if at any point they split up, if they have an argument, they fall out, someone goes off, it always spells disaster. The whole group fails because the moment they split up, the moment they stop working together as a team, they don't catch enough food, they don't purify enough water, and they all suffer. It's a very powerful uh, picture of why it's so important that we live in God's rest together in community and as a family.
because that's the, the way, uh, way it is. And it's a very, actually a very Genesis 1 picture, isn't it? Because right at the beginning, God says, let us, and, and creation happens. This idea of no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of, his, of the main. And for further information, that please see Pete's exhortation about a year ago. <laughs> so it's time to think about our part in God's rest. Are we living in God's rest in our day-to-day lives and as a family, as a community? We'll have some time of prayer now, but I think this is the right time to um, do the care announcements, so I'll do those now. Simon's uh, prepared these announcements for us. We remember all of our family who are struggling at the moment. Some we hear from, some we don't. Sam is having a knee operation in the next two weeks, and it will either be at Lancaster or Kendall Hospital. He's busy trying to get fit, doing as much cycling and swimming as possible to build up his muscles, and he sends everyone his love. Uh, Andrew uh, spoke with Rob last Sunday, and he's home now from his bowel reversal and hernia operation. He's feeling the best he has for some time, and his mum and dad have taken him to Cambridge for a week for recuperation and stress-free rest. He will then be home again for a week before taking up some work again. He sends his love. Jan spoke to Marion a couple of weeks ago, and it's clear that she is struggling. Her love and prayers are, are for her as well. Esther and Johnny have had Theo and Sarah poorly this week, but thankfully they're on the mend. And our prayers also go out to those in the world who struggle. We think especially of the migrants who are escaping hardships, war and hunger, to find themselves at the hands of unscrupulous people traffickers. And we pray for them and for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ when all these problems will be done away with. I also know that John is having a hip operation in a week's time. So think of you, John. Does anyone have anyone else they would like to remember together? Um, Gladys has a pre-op appointment at Withington next Friday for a cataract operation. Rosie thinks that Gladys will be very reluctant to keep this appointment, and so please pray that she will. And Andrew and Sheila are sorting out transport for Gladys on Friday. Okay, I'll open a prayer, and if you um, have your own prayers uh, in the space that I leave, thank you. Father God, we are together here before you and we want to enter your rest to be shepherded by you through our lives to live our lives in your pasture and to worship you sometimes those times are beautiful they're like being in a golden pasture and listening to a, a babbling brook but sometimes the terrain gets rugged and dangerous and we know you are shepherding as always through good times and bad we think of our family who we have um, thought, read, thought and read about and we pray for all of those together now when you think back to the story um, from the moment they crossed the Red Sea, practically, they grumbled and moaned at God's provision. The reference uh, to Maribah in the, in the psalm that she read is a place where they basically said, do you know what? Let's go back to Egypt. That's how they felt about God's rest. They wanted to go back. 
And we can laugh, and it, and it sounds weird to us having the experiences that they had, and the, the mighty deliverance, but we do exactly the same. The gold and the feasting of Egypt was, uh, was more, even though they were in slavery, was, was, uh, was better to them than being led by God through the wilderness. And I think that is why it's so important to think about God's rest in the two different ways. The reason why they never entered God's rest at the end was because they never entered God's rest during the wilderness years. They never accepted God's shepherding. They never were happy to be led by God wherever that would take them. And that unnerves me because I know I do the same. I reflect on when have I, or when do I on a regular basis consciously accept God's leadership? That means not make the decision first and then um, accept God's ratification graciously afterwards. <laughs> when do I consciously accept God's leadership in my decisions, in my plans? When do I live in God's rest in my daily life? There is a confidence, I think, which comes from being in the seventh day, from living in the seventh day. And I think religious confidence is one of those delicate topics which there are so many pitfalls to it that it's actually worth thinking about the pitfalls first before we um, dwell and embrace um, the, the positive sides. Suicide bombers, I think, are fairly religiously confident. The problem is their confidence is fatally misplaced. Now, I don't think we've got many budding suicide bombers here, but just in case, I thought I'd put that one in. <laughs> Perhaps more dangerous to us is the kind of legalistic uh, confidence, a confidence in legalistic righteousness. Think about uh, Inspector Javert in Les Miserables. He was legalistically confident. <clears throat> he was on the right. The fugitive he was chasing was on the, on the wrong so he sings, there out in the darkness, a fugitive running, fallen from God. Fallen from grace, God be my witness. I shall never yield till we come face to face. He knows his way in the dark. Mine is the way of the Lord. Those who follow the path of righteous shall have the reward. And if they fall as Lucifer fell, the flames, the sword. He had a very specific idea about what was right and wrong, and he was right. And it was clockwork, like the position of the stars in the sky. Except when the fugitive he was chasing turned around and showed him compassion and mercy, that didn't fit into his clockwork view of righteousness. And he threw himself into the river saying, A legalistic confidence is not what we're after either. Another negative of a religious confidence is to delude ourselves that we know it all, that we have it right, and uh, we haven't got anything wrong. That, again, is a failing of religious confidence. Perhaps it helps to think that the confidence we have in entering God's rest is from Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not a confidence in ourselves. It's by no means confidence in me or in you. It's in Jesus. And that's exactly where the writer of the Hebrews goes next. If you'd like to turn back to Hebrews chapter 4. This is why we have confidence living in God's rest. It's because Jesus has reached out 
and taken us there. Therefore, this is verse 14 of chapter 4, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus leads us into God's presence, into the rest of God. Jesus takes us into the seventh day and shows us how to live there. It's a confidence that helps us to love more freely, have a genuine compassion, be altruistic in our actions, and to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's a confidence that makes our burdens lighter, not because they don't exist anymore, but because we have Jesus supporting us and sharing sharing with us the load. So we're going to come to our Lord Jesus Christ now, rest with him in God's rest. And Devon is going to give our thanks to the bread. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you now to uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word that was made flesh and has dwells amongst us. That we can feed on him, that he will nourish us, nurture us and sustain us. That we can find rest for our souls in him. That we don't need to worry, be overly burdened, but through our trust in his abilities, his strengths, his capabilities, we can find rest for our souls. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will strengthen us, you will lead us, you will guide us, you will strengthen us. You will support us. You'll be around us and within us. We thank you that this bread reminds us of your presence amongst us now. Amen. Slavery to sin. We have baptised, crossing our own Red Seas. And now, on our wilderness journey to the promised land, God feeds us. Jesus gives his body his bread. Our Father, we... Come in praise and wonder because of your love demonstrated to us today. We come to remember our Lord Jesus through the cup of wine and we think about all that means to us as a community. We have thought about your rest and we have thought about Israel and how they treated your rest, being stubborn and rebellious. Help us today to learn the lessons we have heard And to be part of your rest now because of how we live and because of our belief in what has been done for us. Help us as a community to reach out to others and to demonstrate that type of peace and rest because of the love that has been given to us through this cup of wine. Thank you, Lord God, and thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Amen. To enter God's rest, not because of anything that we have done, but because of everything that our Lord has given. Confidence about living in God's rest, a serenity almost, and over the 19 years I've been coming here, I have definitely seen that in you, my brothers and sisters. Even glimmers occasionally in my own life, but there is definitely a, a peace and serenity that comes from knowing that you're living in God's rest. I'd like us to think about that a bit more through singing this song. Um, you may, hopefully enough, you remember it from the fellowship weekend to be able to carry it through. If you don't, please just uh, listen to the words. It's a, it's a beautiful song. And you can remain seated to sing this. Holy Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you've given him for us. And we thank you that on this Sabbath day we've been able to come together in worship of you and refine our purpose together as your creation. Father, we pray as we leave this place this afternoon, we will go out and be filled with your Sabbath rest peace and that we'll take it into whatever situations we come into this week, whether they be busy and frustrating and troubled or whether they be karma and places that we can really dwell on the the way that you're working in our lives father in whatever we do and wherever we go may you send your spirit with us and so that we can be ambassadors of peace in the name of the lord jesus christ we ask this prayer and we give you glory amen